ready? So come on, baby. Welcome to Popcorn Martini Soup, a movie podcast. I'm Jess. And I'm Anna. And we're your hosts, here to hang out. And we always end up talking about movies. Usually over a couple of martinis. Or a warm bowl of soup. And we are in peak warm bowl of soup season. Yeah, it is we fall. Are. And we are thrilled to be here. I think that we are both fall enthusiasts. Yeah, I love a cozy season. Um, was it yesterday? Yeah, I had a big bowl of spicy soup yesterday. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> so comforting. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike our last episode, which was not comforting at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to be in the cozy part of, of fall. It really is. I love spooky yeah. season, but as soon as you can settle into like warm blanket, warm soup season, like that's where I want to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. What have you been up to? Have you been watching any movies lately? I feel like you and I haven't seen a movie together in a while since like our, you know, tiff back to back movies <laughs> that happened through the summer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We've both been so busy and like doing all kinds of different things that we haven't had a, a movie night lineup in a little while. But yeah, mm. I have been seeing a few things, um, notably from the new stuff that's been out recently. Uh, I went home to visit my family for Thanksgiving and my mom and I went and saw Ticket to Paradise, which is the Cute. Julia Roberts, George Clooney, ridiculous like return to the old style rom-com. The chemistry between the two of them is... I mean, what you expect from the two of them. They are yeah. true movie stars in a way that we don't see a lot, I think, with the younger generation, just because the movie like system, the Hollywood system, is not the same anymore. Mm -hmm. But you get the two of them on screen together and you just you can't deny how amazing they are and how like you just want to sit there and watch them the whole time. Yeah. I saw a lot of like press content from it and mm. it's just like two of them like having the best time of their lives just uh yeah goofing so totally. i feel like that's the energy of the movie right it was like perfect oh yeah absolutely yeah. you can tell that they're like even as their characters are supposed to hate each other they're almost like trying to they're almost overselling how much they're trying to hate each other because yeah they love each other so much as people and it's hard to yeah. overcome that yeah um yeah, it was very fun, and I am joining the petition that is going um, that people are talking about online to bring back the blooper reel in the credits because they did that with this movie, and it is so great. Oh, I that what a throwback! That's amazing. That what a, right? that's a great choice. It's wow. so yeah. it's so fun. It just like it's a little more of that movie magic, like let you behind the scenes, have you connect with these people, just like goofing, having a great time. I love it. Yeah, and then I also had um, a very different experience, like hard whiplash from that movie to this one, um, because I also saw The Banshees of Inna Sharon, and mm -hmm. I mean, what a phenomenal movie, amazing mm -hmm. performances. Um, the entire core cast is so, so good. But that movie, you don't expect it to be as funny as it is at the beginning. And then because it's so funny at the beginning, when it like takes its turn into a true drama, you're like, oh my God, what is happening? Like you don't expect it to go as dark as it does. So it's a real adventure, but it, it's one I would highly recommend. Yeah. You've seen some things that I have been meaning to check out and haven't had time for. Please tell me about these. <laughs> yeah, I uh, like, I don't, I don't know. I think like... October was like very much a advanced screening popping mm. off in the city of Toronto month. Um, it really was. So, yeah, um, I got to see Tar um, with Kate oh. Blanchett, and Kate it, Blanchett. I all I'll say is her outfit in this is twenty out of ten. It oh is my god, so good. Her look is just incredible. I loved it so much. Um, but yeah, the movie itself was very, very interesting. Mm. Um, I'm sure we'll talk more about it in later episodes, but it, it was a blast. And obviously, Noemi, our fave, from yes. who, who was in Portrait of Lady of Fire. Um, I mean, the fact that like she was in this, she was on screen. Um, oh, and then always happy to see her, more of her. Yeah, and hearing her speak English as well, like, <laughs> just different from, like, you know, her usual self was mm -hmm. um, was really cool. Just uh, yeah, really great cast. Right after that, um, the in like intense train just kept going, and <laughs> I, yeah, you were really I went, on a journey. 
I was, I was. Um, it was kind of exhausting, but uh, I went to see Triangle of Sadness. Um, this movie is two and a half hours long, so it was quite long, <laughs> but you do not feel it at all. Really? It's pure chaos, and uh, I don't know even how to describe it, but like you have to watch it. Um, I'm sure, I, I know that there's a bit of like Oscar buzz around it as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to talk about this in another episode too, but... I'm very curious what you think about it. Definitely anyone who hasn't seen it yet, honestly, don't go in with like popcorn either. Like you don't want to be eating while you're watching this movie. You do not want to be eating anything. Trust me, not even drinking anything. Just eat, drink, hydrate, all that stuff prior and then go into this movie. You will thank me later. Um, (laughs) But yeah, those were super fun. So October, October was that. I feel like October was really intense. November, I feel like we're both very, very busy. So Mm -hmm. I'm very happy that we're talking about like cozy content now in this episode. Um, I can't wait to just kind of supify, to be honest. (laughs) Supify. I love that word. That is what I, that's how I want to exist. Yes. Okay. Let's get into it. So I feel like hot off the heels of spooky season, this movie like straddles the line a little bit, but for me, it falls firmly into this transitional period of late October, early November, very warm and cozy, but like with that little bit of magic, I always love revisiting Practical Magic. There's something like it is, it's, it is the most love filled movie about murder and witchcraft and <laughs> possession. <laughs> like, Yeah, it is. Yeah. Somehow you take all of those things and like all of the love and the like the family love, the sisters, the romantic love and like mash those things together and it works so well. Yeah, it's a very sweet movie. Can I just say, speaking of this transitional period, this is perfect for the Halloween transition, all that stuff. Um, can I just point out that this movie first of all i've never seen it i've i've seen it like because we were going to talk about it in this episode oh so i've only for the first time watched it recently and there's a moment in the movie i guess i mean there's going to be spoilers i don't know why i'm saying spoilers because i'm sure a lot of people have seen it plus it's from like the 90s it is. um there's a moment when nicole kidman like levitates a bit mm-hmm. a tiny bit was I a little bit nervous about the body horror? Like, I mean, it's not called body horror, but anyone who's listened to the last episode knows any kind of levitation freaks me out. a bad sign, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, wait a second. So I just wanted to mention that, that it, like, slightly freaked me out. <laughs> I, I, as, when we were talking about that last time, and mm-hmm. I remembered that we had Practical Magic on our list for this time, I was like, mm-hmm. I think it is minimal enough yeah, that... That is, it's not going to freak Anna out. But I had that moment where I was like, is she going to hate me for putting this on the list? No, no, no. It was, it was fine. But I was like, wait a second. Immediately you're like, where is this going? Yeah. I was like, is she going to float even more? Um, No, but that obviously is not the important part of this movie. I mean, it is such a, like, yeah, as you said, so much love. It's so cute. It's got a lot of iconic moments in it, for sure. It does. And such a great cast. Like, if you've got Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman starring opposite each other as the mm-hmm. two main, like leads, immediately, yes. Also, I this is so specific, but Sandra Bullock's hair in this movie, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much of it and it like curls <laughs> just right. And it's just like, it's just so lush and full and I major hair envy. Yeah, I mean that's that's Sandra Bullock. Like I feel like I know. in every movie, it's true. She has incredible hair, and the hair is a moment in every single one of her movies. Like, <laughs> and it just like works so perfectly. But you're right. Like, and particularly in this, I think it's a lot longer too than like mm-hmm. her usual hair length. Yeah. Her hair is main character energy for sure. And then you have Stockard Channing, who I always associate with Greece, obviously, but who mm-hmm. I love so dearly. Um, and Diane Wiest as the two aunts, which mm-hmm. is just like the energy they bring is so fun and like just campy enough, but also just grounded enough that it doesn't yeah. make it seem silly. Love them. Um, and I actually totally forgot that Camilla Bell 
is in this as like Sandra Bullock's character when she's younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw her and I was like, oh my God, is that who that is? And right. then Evan Rachel Wood plays one of Sandra Bullock's character's daughters. And I was like, how did I forget that these beautiful people who are older than I am were like children in this movie? Yeah, it's so strange when that happens, when you like rewatch something and you're like, hold on. How Wait could how could you not have seen this? But yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, so so I I haven't seen this till recently, but I do remember the existence of this movie growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to like my parents um, used to we used to go to like DVD rentals all the time back when that was a thing. And this movie came out in '98. Eyes Wide Shut came out in '99. And this is like bean me like this is like I don't know like kindergarten or something me who's like Mm -hmm. at a DVD store passing by all these different covers right you just see the covers of of the movies you have no idea what these movies are about and I distinctly remember the eyes wide shut cover and Nicole Kidman is obviously like her look in the 90s is very iconic like Nicole Kidman with her hair right Mm -hmm. um I so I thought like I knew that eyes wide shut iconic cover it Mm -hmm. it gives a bit of like sexy energy to it obviously but like you know as a kid you can kind of sense that I also remember seeing the cover of Practical Magic and I was like this must be a sexy movie between these two women right it's the one with their two faces and then like the candle and stuff right exactly yeah yeah and like the backdrop is like black and like it just looks really really sexy is what kindergarten like kindergarten brain anna was like yeah these this is about these two women and something very sexual (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know what i would watch that movie same (laughs) Uh, yes no doubt about it Um, yeah, so I'm kind of disappointed that it wasn't the sexy movie that (laughs) little Anna thought. This movie, like, got these two together. I think that the camera really appreciates them. And, like, you can see the way it, it just, like, completely sucks you in when the two of them are on screen. There is something that's so, I mean, warm, obviously, and cozy, but so inviting and Mm. so, um, just, like, you see them in this, like, sweet little Massachusetts town and they are clearly the most beautiful things on the screen even competing with like how beautiful and charming small town Massachusetts is Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the camera just eats them up and they glow in a way that like people don't glow in real life the way these two do in this movie the the natural beauty of the two of them because mm-hmm. neither of them are super done up and super you know overdone in this movie it takes that natural beauty and just like shines a spotlight on it and you can't help but appreciate how pretty everything is without yeah. it feeling like it's like shoved in your face it totally. feels very natural yeah, throughout this movie, like not just the two of them with Nicole Kidman and um, with Sandra Bullock, but like the ants and stuff and like just their kind of chemistry and like mm-hmm. the four of them when they're having the margarita night and stuff. Oh, too. my God. Like iconic scene. But but also, yeah, you're right. Like it, it brings out this like natural glow out of them. Yes. That gives witch witchiness and not like a spooky, like Halloween-y way <laughs> that witchiness I really and, like, love. Like a like a your power emanating out of you yeah. as a yeah. like beautiful powerful woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere that um, Sandra Bullock once when she was talking about this movie was saying that in that scene they all actually got drunk together. Like Nicole Kidman brought tequila and they were just like sitting oh, around the God. table getting drunk. Yeah, and I believe it because that felt so real. Like yeah, they like the like descending into giggles and yeah. the you something just comes out of your mouth and you're like oh my god did I just say that like it felt so honest and fun and like jovial and I loved that that was just like them actually getting drunk together yeah that's yeah I can I can see it I can feel it and I wish I was there (laughs) yes absolutely if there was any moment to be dropped into in this movie that's the one yeah and I never would have thought like um like margarita night be associated with like a cozy like fall energy but mm-hmm. I guess that's something that I should be bringing into my own life is just have Cozy a margaritas <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I like that I like that a lot um speaking of uh, what is what is the way to describe these families 
um, chaotic. Uh, I feel like there's there's a lot of chaos in both of these families. So speaking of chaotic families, let's talk about Knives Out. <laughs> Possibly is- the most chaotic <laughs> of chaotic families. What is it about chaotic families and cozy put together? That's so odd. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, somehow those two things work really well together. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's, it's interesting. What, so why was this like a cozy pick for you? I think some of it is like the fall vibes of it. Mm-hmm. It just feels like a movie that needs to be rewatched in the fall because the big mansion and all the surroundings, you really get like sort of that fog rolling in, mist almost like fall feeling from it. Yeah, totally. Um, plus, obviously, the sweater. <laughs> that is a fall sweater. Yeah. And do you want so do good. you want to specify the sweater? Do I need to specify? If you I mean, don't know <laughs> the sweater that Chris Evans wears in Knives Out, please just Google it now because you literally just have to type Chris Evans Knives Out and one of the first pictures is in that like white fisherman's knit sweater. It's a good sweater. And it's so good and cozy and I have not stopped thinking about that sweater since I saw this movie like the day it came out on Netflix no before that since I saw it premiere at TIFF I haven't stopped thinking about this sweater for like three years is what I'm saying (laughs) it's a really really good sweater it looks very good on him it sure does yeah I agree the whole thing's cozy it like there's something about like as a kid I read a lot of like Agatha Christie mysteries and mm-hmm. somehow these murder stories are just like they're cozy strangely enough like it feels like you just not that I ever had a fireplace but like I feel like there would be a fireplace and I feel like you would have hot chocolate or something and yes. like you're you know you're like curled up, up in a big armchair exactly yeah yeah not that I ever had any of those things but in my mind <laughs> That is like the the peak like cozy reading experience, and you have yeah one of these like Agatha Christie style whodunits yeah. to like race through in front of your cla- crackling fire. I mean the Thromby family, Harlan Thromby, Christopher Plummer, the the catalyst for all of this in the movie. Mm-hmm. His house most definitely had a cozy armchair and a fire and a collection of whodunits. Yeah, it just feels so right that like that would be the way that you would want to experience. Yeah. this kind of story i i had the phase of reading like the orient express and um mm-hmm. i was a huge fan of it and like all those agatha christie books that have like massive casts and the characters and they're all there's so many of them and that each and every one of them have like a huge personality and they're all like main character energy honestly and so mm-hmm. to have this kind of setting as well in knives out and the cast is huge it's so stacked um and then for it to be like a a success in the way that it's been is really rare um speaking of like the orient express like there's been multiple movies in the past or tv shows (laughs) you know adaptations of it with a stacked cast and does Mm -hmm. anyone know any about it any of them like not really because they're all so bad so I, I did want to ask you, mm-hmm. I feel like there's something very specific that you're describing that mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson pulls off so well mm-hmm. in the writing specifically of this one. Have you seen the Kenneth Branagh, the new, like, The Orient Express and Death on the Nile? I've tried. <laughs> yeah. I've tried because every time there's, you know, any kind of like Agatha Christie related or inspired TV show or movie, this like the childhood Anna is like, Mm -hmm. like there's that little excitement that the books that just gives a very specific and exciting and somewhat sort of cozy experience and you're on a ride, you know, and like, and so that's what I really loved about it. And so yeah, I get drawn in. And I've tried, but it's so, I don't know what it is. It's so bad. I can't get into it. Do you think that, like, is there something you can point to that Ryan Johnson is doing that, like, Kenneth Branagh and his team are not capturing or, like, not able to pull off? Because why is it that, like, Knives Out works so well? There's something about the way Ryan Johnson does it where it's really leaning into the 
you know, this kind of setting and the mystery and the tropes that come with it um, mm-hmm. in terms of like like some of the the way he films it and the audio, like the the music that he uses and stuff. And like it just all kind of really leans into that genre very much in a way that's yeah. not overdoing it. It's like we're not pretending as if this is a trope that hasn't been done a million times, right? Like mm-hmm. we've seen it all before, but he uses that to his advantage he because totally it like sets a, a tone in your mind. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like there's something about the difference in the script. Obviously, they like they look like very different movies and like visuals aside, mm-hmm. it feels like there is a tightness and even when Ryan's characters can be a little bit over the top, like you have moments with all of the Drysdales where they are kind of over the top, but it's in a way that like furthers the character so effectively mm-hmm. that you immediately are like, okay, so this plays into what I know about this person. Yeah. This like gets my wheels turning because it's like furthering my theory or whatever. And you, you see it play out between the characters more so than like somebody having to like explain something to you. Yeah. And it just, it, it feels like more skillful writing, I think, Yeah, for me. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned the stacked cast. Like, does it get any better? Some of them are a little bit unexpected. Like, I don't know that anybody saw Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc mm. coming, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he just like won people over immediately, even with the ridiculous accent. But you have somebody like Jamie Lee Curtis or Tony Collette who know how to play into these like character characteristics Mm -hmm. they're not like overdoing it it's not like a caricature but they can embody these like weird offbeat specific kind of people so well that you recognize that you're you see them and you're like oh yeah i know exactly the kind of person that you are going for yeah Yeah. and and they do it because they're such talented actors and like michael shannon i think of as the same way the way he plays walt like Mm -hmm. they're so talented that you know you know exactly what they're going for yeah but they're not like they're not spoon feeding it to you they're not being like super obvious about it yeah i agree i feel like out of the three of them though like tony collette was the one that really stretched and like Mm. went out of her usual i mean tony collette does first of all does not have a usual i feel like she 100 is everywhere everywhere all over playing so many different roles and it's Mm -hmm. incredible i love her um, she was amazing in this in this movie. I also will say I really loved Anna de Armas in this. Um, I think this Same. was the first thing that I ever saw her in. And she like, I'm not totally sure what her intentions for her career are. But I got to <laughs> say that like the last few things <laughs> that she's chosen, like, I don't know where you're going with this, but I don't. I, I would love to see her in more roles kind of like this or mm-hmm. in more in more movies kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've already talked about Blonde and we like don't need to go there again. I'm sure it'll come up when we talk about 2022 movies just because it stood out. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. I just feel like there's something, again, that like she gets to be a little bit more understated, but you love her so much in this movie. Like you're so intrigued by her and you are on her side and she's captivating in that way in the way that like a character who is your entry point into a whodunit needs to be and i just i wish that we were seeing a little bit more of that mm-hmm. anna de Armas and a little mm-hmm. bit less of the like blonde the gray man <laughs> anna de Armas. yeah i mean get that bag like make that money for sure but also i yeah like i want to be able to appreciate her as like a character and like personality a little bit more yeah i agree speaking of actors that i always want to see more of i'm going to transition us into our next one because i want to talk about saoirse ronan and florence Pugh, and i want to talk about 2019's little women this is when we talked about potentially doing like a fall kind of cozy episode this movie came to mind right away Mm -hmm. obviously like in the movie it spans multiple seasons but there's something about the like the costuming and the feeling and like i think especially like saoirse as joe in her like academic outfits all the time Mm -hmm. that just feels very fall i think it definitely leans towards like the christmas side for me like Mm, it's definitely cozy um but i think it's like more not early November as we've been talking about the other two. It's more like late November 
for me. It is. I mean, it does technically fall into like this is a Christmas movie because it has an True. important Christmas scene. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense to me. You you love this movie, right? I do. And I have seen how many adaptations of Little Women have there been? There have been at least four adaptations like as films in Hollywood. I know that um mm-hmm. I think a K-drama just came out this year as well, which I mm-hmm. haven't seen yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, I just did a quick check and it was actually 7. Um but wow. two of them two of them were silent films. Um so the first sound adaptation was 1933 which had Katherine Hepburn. Mm-hmm. Um I've seen that one. There was one in 1949 that was the first color adaptation which I haven't seen. Um, and then I've seen the 1994 with Winona Ryder and the 2019 one, obviously. And then I guess there was also one in 2018 to mark the 150th anniversary of the novel. But I don't remember really hearing much about that one. Of the five adaptations that have been made since we transitioned out of silent pictures, um, I've seen three of them. And listen, I love Katherine Hepburn. I love Winona Ryder. There is something about this adaptation. There's something about what Greta Gerwig did with the script to like change the approach to the story and mm-hmm. change the way that you get the information and take it in. Obviously, there's something about Saoirse Ronan as Joe that just it works so well. You get so emotionally invested in this one. Did you? What did you think of the ending? I thought it was interesting. Um, I think it worked in terms of the story that. Greta was trying to tell. For this adaptation, I think it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It worked for me. What did you think? Um, it was okay. <laughs> I when I first truthfully, like when I first saw it, I didn't like it. I obviously loved it for Florence Pugh. I think she was the star of this movie. I love love Sorcerer Ronan as well. The fact that like the, as soon as this was announced, it was coming from Greta Gerwig. And the cast was the cast. I was like, obviously, it makes sense. Um, and the way that they were casted, I was like, I cannot wait to see Saoirse yes. Ronan as Joe. But yeah, when I when I first saw it, the, the reason why my first impression was like not that great. I think I talked about this before, but like I was like obviously super young when I saw the 94 version of Little Woman mm-hmm. and Joe leaving Laurie made a huge impression on me like for some reason like it just that was joe to me yes absolutely in that version she just like she ends up with like this older man and i could not even tell you how that happens or like <laughs> who it even was <laughs> like little me like completely or like none of that made sense to me i didn't even try to comprehend and understand how that ended I okay. just completely latched on to most of um, Joe up until that moment in that 94 version and her leaving Lori. Like, I was like, mm. that moment was, like, iconic to me growing up. So that, like, that choice was one of the biggest things that signified the kind of person Joe was to me. And I wanted to kind of, like, emulate that. And I want, I it just, like, I looked up to that energy so much. Like the independence of it, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being able to walk away and like stand firm in that decision. Yeah. The being able to walk away from that mm, was like, okay. I was like, this is so attractive. I guess like it doesn't really make sense because then, yeah, she does end up. I know a lot of people have issues with like the way that version ends with this like man. <laughs> So, and, but, so it doesn't make sense, but it does to me because I deleted that part of my memory. <laughs> <laughs> you just so, pretended it didn't exist. Yeah. So, so, it's fine. so, yeah. So, hear, hear me out. <laughs> so, then watching this one where you see Joe change her mind, I had this like whole conversation with a couple of my friends who've seen this too. And like, I understand that moment being, you know, as vulnerable and realistic and um, gentle side and vulnerable side of Joe that we get to see in her for Mm. sure. I get it. But initial like watch, Mm. I was like, no, this is not my Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, and, and you know what? Like, absolutely. That is not like I've been told before that like that's like you're putting Joe in like an unrealistic kind of like place right. that pe- people aren't like that. Totally. I get it. But I think I like, yeah, just the, the kid Anna was like, this is so badass And like, this is so mm. attractive. And I want to, I want to be like this. I want to be able to just like walk away from a guy like Glory and, <laughs> you know, and, 
there was just something so attractive and cool about her. Yeah, so when I just like saw her like changing her mind in this version, I was like, this is not my movie. Like I I think my brain just completely like shut out the rest of it. And I wasn't even understanding the way it ended too. I was like, what what is going on? I don't really understand. (laughs) So fast forward after like my second, like honestly my second watch, I, I liked it way more. And then, like, the more I've watched it, the more I've appreciated it. So, in conclusion, I love this movie. Absolutely. It was just... <laughs> it just took a... you a while to get there. <laughs> totally. Yeah, 100%. Is Florence Pugh still my peak, like, my my favorite, favorite thing about this movie? Yes. Like, that remains consistent for me, for sure. I also think that, like, A, this was a chance for her to shine in a way that we hadn't really seen her before. Like, yeah. this was a sort of a breakout for Florence, I think, yeah. even though, you know, she has been great in things before. But also, I think, and this is like, I heard this, I saw this for myself, and I also heard it from friends who are really big fans of the source material, like mm-hmm. people who love the book, that this this version of Amy, Florence's Amy, is the first one that really does her justice and the mm-hmm. first one that, like, doesn't malign her for being who she is and wanting what she wants because mm-hmm. so many of the adaptations are very quick to, like, put Amy in the position of she has taken Joe's place and she is taking what Joe should have had. Amy is, like, taking it from her. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, like, it's pitting them in opposition to each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, it actually treats Amy like her own person who, like, yes, has grown up in Joe's shadow. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that she's just, like, trying to take what Joe had. Like, she has her own reasons for wanting to go to Europe. She has her own reasons for wanting Lori. Like, it's more than just her in opposition to Joe. Yeah. And I thought that Florence played that so well. Yeah. It's so interesting how I was drawn to Joe in the 94 version. But in this one, like, everything about the way Florence depicts her is just, like, again, like, so attractive. Like, the the Mm -hmm. range that she brings in her role and, like, the, I mean, like, the comedy and, like, the pain and the, Mm -hmm. like just it goes and sways in so many different directions and Florence just carries it so so perfectly absolutely I think that that's actually one thing that this movie does well overall I mean to to different degrees across the different characters but this movie puts their emotions so at the forefront yeah whereas I feel like some of the other adaptations you can tell that they like have feelings and wants and dreams obviously Mm -hmm. they are Mm -hmm. like they're treated as people, but there isn't the same, I think, interiority and the same, like, bringing the emotions out of them mm-hmm. that happens in this adaptation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yes, it's, like, maybe a little too obvious. Like, I really love Joe's speech about, like, women and loneliness. And, like, mm-hmm. I think about that a lot. And, like, a, I have heard people say that that's, like, a little too on the nose. Mm-hmm. Like, that speech is too obvious. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. I understand that perspective. I don't necessarily agree. I think that, like, as someone who has had conversations with her friends about how you're feeling at a various point in your life like Mm. that is how we talk to each other sometimes Mm -hmm. like we will Mm -hmm. say like I am experiencing these two very different emotions and I want to be this thing but I can't deny this other thing like that felt very real and very honest yeah to me yeah I just think that that's something that Greta's writing paired with like these really really strong actresses that is all laid bare in front of you you cannot deny the like sheer amount of emotion that happens in this movie Mm -hmm. and I just feel like that is so powerful yeah do you have an attachment to Christian Bale as Laurie? Um, no, not not really. I mean, I think he was he was a good Laurie. Like, I don't, I don't know. He was just kind of like a a side piece in my mind <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching it. Like, I truly Laurie was just kind of like a tool. A tool. I can't believe I'm calling him a tool. <laughs> Like, he was a tool that, like, pulled out so much out of Joe as Renona, mm. as Ren- uh, Renona as Joe, sorry. Um, right. So I'm not really attached to, like, Christian Bale in particular as Laurie. I actually, so now that you're talking about, like, the 94 version being formative for you, like, mm-hmm. being the one that you first latched onto, I completely under, I, I understood before, but, like, I understand even more so now why this is a Christmas movie for you, or, like, a, like, later. True, yeah. Because that one feels like it, like, the memory memorable scenes for me from that one mm. feel very wintry mm-hmm. whereas is, like the, yeah. the memorable scenes for me from this one feel more fall yeah that's so true and I wonder if that's just like I mean part of it is you know what they 
shot when and like what takes place when. Mm -hmm. But I wonder also if it's like Greta's visual style, the way that she shows the difference between past and present with like the different color grading, Mm -hmm. I think is part of it where like there are certain times where even if you are maybe in a different season, her coloring almost evokes that like fall coziness. Yeah, that's anyway, a really just great thinking point. Out loud. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I feel like we could spend so much time talking about all the various little women. I'm oh, for sure. <laughs> almost tempted to like make it a project, but I'm not going to give us homework right now. That that can be later down the line. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to transition us one more time here. Um We talked about like fall kind of like academic fashion with Joe. We talked about um, the iconic Knives Out sweater that Chris Evans wears. But I have to say that like the movie for me that has peak fall fashion is When Harry Met Sally. I mean, I was going to say like I feel like Chris Evans sweater, like he almost like borrowed it from Billy Crystal's sweater. A hundred percent. Yes. Right. Yeah. That was the OG, like, ransom fisherman sweater. Yeah. The sweater game from both of them, from Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan in this, is incredible. Um, Meg Ryan's blazers and, like, pleated pants. The, I like, I don't know. It, the jackets, the gloves. There's <laughs> so much incredible fall fashion in this movie. Yeah. And because it's from the 80s, like, it's all hip again now. So I would wear this entire wardrobe today. For sure. It's all come back. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a no-brainer, like, cozy, cozy movie for sure. So cozy. Do you yeah. have, like, a history with When Harry Met Sally? Um, Not really. Like, I, so I haven't seen this movie in a really, really long time. I almost, mm-hmm. like, forgot about what the movie was about. <laughs> um, I just remember, like, the feeling of it. But I, I mm. watched this when I was, like, in kindergarten, Um, Or elementary school, something like that. So, like, my I was super young. My mom loved Meg Ryan. Um, As she should. And so, yeah, like, who doesn't? So this was, like, Meg Ryan romance movies era. Um, Totally. So, like, I watched, like, You Got Mail, Sleepless Mm -hmm. in Seattle, City of Angels, um, Kate and... Leopold. Leopold, yeah. Yeah, with Hugh Jackman. (laughs) Yes, with Hugh Jackman. And this honestly was a little bit meshed into that because, I mean, Mm. all those movies came out, like, back to back to back to back. (laughs) Like, Meg Ryan was doing it all. Um, And so I had to rewatch it, but it was such a – it's such a delight. Like, it's such a cozy, cute, sweet movie. I feel like it holds up surprisingly well for a movie from this era. Yeah, for sure. Do you what yeah, when did you see, when did you watch it? I don't even know if I could tell you. Like I I was very much raised on the Meg Ryan movies. Um mm-hmm. I also saw them fairly young like you did and I watched them pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Um my mom introduced me to them and I guess like it was just the right time that yeah, you've got mail was probably the first one that I like imprinted on and was mm-hmm. like this is my movie. And yeah, like Sleepless in Seattle and When Harry Met Sally followed very swiftly afterwards. Um, There is something about this era, um, particularly like the kinds of cities that like in New York or in Seattle or like, like there is something about these people in this sort of cozy, academic, again, fashion, um, just existing and like I'm not being articulate about this because it's so wrapped up in like years and years and years of rewatching these movies and like experiencing different things yeah um but yeah like the Nora Ephron movies in particular have like this ridiculous hold on me Meg Ryan I put them on when I'm feeling sad and I want to feel better Mm-hmm. I put them on when I'm feeling like romance is dead and I will never love somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put them on when I'm feeling like I believe in romance and I can't wait to fall in love again. You know, like mm-hmm, they, they mm-hmm. represent such a range of emotions for me. Mm-hmm. And you can pull all of those things out of them depending on like what you're feeling and what you need from them. Yeah. And that just feels so special. Like there, there I think there are a lot of movies that give you a specific thing. And not a lot of movies that give you exactly what you need, even if it's different every time. 
Um, but somehow these these ones do that. And I think that's a combination of like the writing, the pure coziness of them and how fantastic Meg Ryan is with like Billy Crystal here and with Tom Hanks in the other ones. Yeah. Sorry, that was very rambly. No, please tell me about rambling. I'm like ramble lord. No, um, not at all. No, I, I, I agree. It's, it's a, it's a feeling. Like I, I think we can all relate to cozy as something that it's a, it's a feeling. Obviously, mm-hmm. I feel like it's something that is visual. That it's like a sensation that you get from like watching a movie, or like you can get that from like music and stuff. And so. And it's also like a lot of it is like a memory too. It's mm-hmm. it's so deeply rooted in that, and it's a combination of different memories. So yeah, of course, it's like so hard to articulate that. Um, but yeah, like Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal's chemistry in this is like oh. something that you just that in itself is something you fall in love with. It's so sweet and wholesome, and Entirely the friendship that like, they have. Yeah, all encompassing and captivating. Mm-hmm. They're dialogue is written so well that you believe them immediately and they're so like I always thought that Meg Ryan was beautiful throughout all of these movies but there's something about this and like she just seems so like young and fresh-faced and like I don't know new almost Mm -hmm. which seems like silly to say and I am like there is no movie in which I am attracted to Billy Crystal except for like in this one (laughs) as Harry it's mm-hmm. such a specific vibe and like I think it's like part of that is the way that Nora Ephron I'm I, a man written by a woman like you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also the way the dialogue feels very true and very natural and like even when he's saying something that you're like if a man said this around me I would probably like punch him in the face or like <laughs> I would I'd be really mm-hmm. pissed off at him mm-hmm. it is so like endearingly honest that you're like, well, yeah, like sometimes people say things like that or like, mm-hmm. you know, you're very willing to forgive these characters mm-hmm. because of how real they feel. And yeah. because, yeah, the chemistry between them is amazing. Yeah. I mean, part of it is like not part of it. I think a huge part of it from my perspective with that is it's because it's Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. Mm-hmm. If it was like anyone else, I don't know if I would like buy any of it. Honestly, there's some actors that I mean, does it so well in their own way. But, like, the way this movie was and its setting and some of the things, like, even, like, when when they're in the store and they're, like, singing together and, like, yes. Billy Crystal starts singing, like, <laughs> I would truthfully, like, throw up. Like, something That's like so that. so cringy. Well, yeah, it's so, so bad. But, like, because it's Billy Crystal and, like, Billy mm-hmm. Crystal's so, I mean, so good at delivering something like that in a way that's fun and, like just Billy Crystal you know yeah (laughs) so I don't know like it's so rare for someone to be able to deliver it in that way that it's so not just digestible but you want more of it and you love it so much you know like anyone else I'd be like absolutely no (laughs) oh 100% yeah Yeah. it's it's such a special skill to take something that in any other situation you would like cringe and you'd be like I never want to see this again yeah and to transform it into like oh I I adore you more for -hmm. having done this Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's kind of what love does to people like Mm -hmm. when you're in love with someone you see the things that they do differently than you might have on someone else right for sure yeah and so the way that this movie like puts us in that place where we are in love with both of them as characters and as people then like it makes their relationship all the more like natural and inevitable because you're like well I'm in love with both of you so of course you're in love with each other and like mm-hmm. it just sells it in that way yeah for sure isn't it, it's so interesting that you say that you watch you said you watched this when like like when you when your heart was broken or like when you're feeling mm-hmm. sad and stuff like wouldn't it make it like I would because watching this movie I was like I I mean yes I'm married I have a husband but like like I it makes me want to like fall in love and like yes. you know like feel you know right like doesn't yes. that make you more sad I feel like okay so sometimes yes and like sometimes mm. there is a moment where you're like I'm sad and I want to wallow in it so I'm mm. gonna like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
watch or listen to things that make me feel that way. But there's, I think, also an element of like, I'm sad because I'm feeling, you know, like really down on this or like Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of hope in this right now. Mm -hmm. And something like this, you're like, okay, so it's out there. Like, especially Mm -hmm. because at the end where they have the real couples like talking about their lives together Mm -hmm. and like the silly ways they got together or like whatever. It's, Mm -hmm. It's a reminder that like, even though you don't see it in this moment, it's out there. And there is a reason to, this is so cheesy. There's like a reason to believe Mm -hmm. in love. (laughs) Even if it's like, this is like the movie version. Like people do feel this way. Totally. Yeah, for sure. My heart was just like bursting watching this movie. It was so cute. Yeah. And the fact that it like, it does that so consistently like it's not like you watch it once and you're like okay so like I felt all the feelings and like the next time you watch it you don't feel anything like every single time it brings up those like heart bursting (laughs) emotions yeah um I have a really weird intrusive question (laughs) (laughs) um Meg Ryan there's a moment when she talks about or describes this like sex fantasy um, it's a faceless man ripping off her clothes, and that's it, is how she describes it. Right. What is a sex fantasy you've been having since you were little? <laughs> My parents listen to this podcast. <laughs> sorry, sorry. We can cut it. <laughs> it was, I had it in my notes. I was like, I need to talk about this with Jess. We can okay. talk about it off we mic, will. but yeah. like literally yeah. both of my parents and my brother listen to this podcast. <laughs> okay. Sorry, everyone. This is My family is very supportive. I love them. I'm not going to talk about <laughs> my sex fantasies in front of them. <laughs> that is so, so fair. Okay, um, if anyone's curious, maybe maybe we will DM share us. it depending on who you are. <laughs> yeah, send us a DM and you can get the uncut version of this recording. <laughs> okay, um, moving on. There was another <laughs> more PG question. Um, how do crowd waves happen? <laughs> I was so confused. I've been a part of them before. I was going to say. It's very weird. How does it begin? A group of people just decides we're going to start the wave and they just start going. And like people are such joiner inners. Like we are so (laughs) eager to be a part of something Mm -hmm. that you see, oh, they're starting a wave. Like, yeah, let's let's go (laughs) along with it. (laughs) I'm sitting here in my chair, like doing the wave (laughs) on my own. Yeah. I think there's like there's something very I'm going to take your silly PG question and turn it philosophical. I think there's something very <laughs> um, human and very like intrinsic to being human about being part of something and like being in community with other humans. Mm-hmm. And even if it's as simple as like, oh, the people around me are doing this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to join in. I want to like be part of the thing. I think that, like, that can extend to even something as, like, silly and trivial as doing the wave. Mm-hmm. Like, we are we are joiners by nature because we yeah. are, like, pack animals or, like, community animals by nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this has been uh, <laughs> Anthropology or Sociology 101 with Jess. <laughs> Whatever version. I didn't take that in college. I don't know. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I was just kind of curious. I was like, huh. I haven't seen a wave happen in a crowd in a really long time because it's usually like it happens in stadiums and like sports Mm. like settings, I feel. And I haven't been in those in a very long time. So I'm like, how did those begin? Who's the wave starter? Some very enthusiastic, brave soul. Can we talk for a minute about Carrie Fisher in this movie? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I love her. Um... Just, like, full stop. I love Carrie mm-hmm. Fisher. I I really enjoy in this movie the way that, like, Harry and Sally are trying to set each other up with a friend. And the way you get there and, like, immediately Marie and Jess, like, Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby's characters just, like, have want nothing to do with Harry and Sally. <laughs> they clearly, like, it is, like, if you've been on a bad date, you recognize it immediately. You're like, there is, this is not working. Mm-hmm. And then they turn to each other and it's just like click done it's that easy yeah and the way that like 
Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner just distill that down to its most basic, like, sometimes people just click. Yeah. And you see it so fast with them. And then we get to follow them through, like, the rest of the movie as a couple. I don't know. It's just, I, It felt like a great compliment to the, like, will they, won't they of Harry and Sally. Totally. Yeah. To have this thing that, like, never should have happened in the first place just, like, come together. And then you're like, mm. okay. And, and there are going to be ups and downs and, like, not everything's going to work, but you can follow them through the rest mm-hmm. of this, like, experience. Right. That was a really good dynamic to, like, have mm-hmm. just the four of them, like. Yeah. And I liked that it, like, it felt very true to as you're an adult and, like, people are getting together and getting married and also breaking mm-hmm. up. And, like, mm-hmm. Sally has that moment with her friends where they're all describing, like, what's happening in their love lives. And, like, one of them's getting a divorce and, like, oh, somebody else is getting a divorce. Do we set these people up? Like, the whole dynamic of like how do you rearrange all of the people in your life to mm. get them to fit all together um yeah with like being in relationship as like the ultimate end goal mm. um feels in a way a little bit dated but also like still entirely mm. true and relatable um and like those are all of the same dynamics that we still see in our friends and like friendship circles I don't know. I think that's part of why the movie ages so well is like it's so based in human emotion and relationship that like yeah. that stuff just is always going to be true on some level. Yeah. It's always going to be relevant. Yeah. Well, as we kind of wrap this up, I feel like reflecting back on where this kind of cozy episode came from, I feel like it definitely came from you. Um, <laughs> I maybe have a I, brand. <laughs> and I really and I really appreciated this. Like, I feel like a, a lot of these movies, like, I haven't seen in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Some of them I have, and I really latched onto them. But, like, it was kind of, like, resurfacing some of the stuff. And, I, and I'm realizing that maybe I'm, like, a lot of the movies I haven't latched onto that are, like, fall cozy related, I guess. So, like, this was kind of, like, new to me. And I really mm-hmm. appreciated it. Um, I feel like I should be kind of be more aware of that fall cozy energy and look for those and movies a bit more because I feel like I'm missing out a little bit. But yeah. Yeah, it's a very like comforting. And I know we've talked a little bit about like just in conversation, the difference between like what makes it like a fall cozy movie versus like a Mm -hmm. comfort movie. Um, And I think that there's there's definitely something in the feeling of like a fall cozy movie but I think there's also like there's an aesthetic to it and there's like a an atmosphere that just like brings out that like fall feeling of like the changing leaves and the cool breeze and mm-hmm. you just want to like curl up with that like crisp autumn air mm-hmm. um, that is kind of like what drives sort of how I identify a fall movie and mm-hmm. I just love that feeling so much that when I find it I kind of latch onto it so mm-hmm. um thank you for for joining me on this uh very self-indulgent yeah. journey I loved it yeah do you have like any other recommendations I should look out for because I mean I have a oh. lot of I obviously have a lot of comfort movies but yeah like that specific kind of like fall energy yeah definitely I think like when I think about fall, um, even though I haven't been in school in years, I still kind of think about back to school. And so one that comes to mind always right away is Dead Poet Society. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from 1989. Uh, and not everything from the movie has aged super well. There are some mm-hmm. things in it that like are not great. But if you can kind of like put those things aside there is so much to love in this movie i mean robin williams is phenomenal mm-hmm. um and they, like some of his roles are he was a very good like comedic actor some of his roles are very funny this one is so much more grounded and so much more emotional mm-hmm. um and he plays the teacher to these young boys and like the boys are also like a pretty great cast most of them you will recognize from something else Mm-hmm. And they've got such great chemistry with each other. There's just this sense of like schoolboy camaraderie, like especially because they're all in this sort of boarding school scenario. Mm-hmm. They're very attached to each other. Um, 
and it's all set in this like yeah academic setting i don't know it just it screams fall to me Mm -hmm. and even though it's not a perfect movie it like really hits something Mm -hmm. what that like emotional chord so yeah that one for sure yeah um and then i think like if we want to take the idea of like fall like moving into winter so like getting into the like november Mm -hmm. early december type um i would say moonstruck with Cher and nicholas cage of course right it's like early winter in new york truly like an unhinged movie in the best way so much fun highly recommend this is giving me like mom energy is fall (laughs) is fall cozy like like mom genre there is definitely some crossover i would say like not exclusively (laughs) yeah but there is definitely crossover because i feel like mom like you think of like a mom fit for example, yeah. and it's usually like what a mom would wear in the fall. Like that is the first. It's like True. the mom jeans and a, like a knit sweater, kind of like '80s vibe. Like from what Harry, when Harry met Sally. Like mm-hmm. that is there is some of that in the aesthetic for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Moonstruck was like my mom's like one of all time favorite movies. So like, oh. and like Meg Ryan and like all that. It was just like all of that fits so well I together. Feel like, yeah, it's <laughs> like. This is like my mom's area. Um, I love that. Your mom has great taste. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She does. She does. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for me? I like definitely am not the be all end all of this this sphere. I would like more always. Yeah. I, I don't know. Again, like I, ha- I don't. I don't know if it actually is like fall, but for some reason, what came to mind to me was like a couple of the Cartoon Saloon uh, films. Mm, And I've talked about them before in the past because I just I love them so much. But like one that came to mind that's not as fall for sure is like Song of the Sea. It's a little bit more winter. Um, The colors are all mostly blue, obviously, with the ocean and like the water theme. So Mm -hmm. It does give a little bit more winter, but it's not necessarily snow. There's mm. like the way you describe like the 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 fall crisp, cold air mm-hmm. um, is is there in this movie, um, okay. and there's something about it, yeah, that's totally like cold. Um, but then there's the coziness comes in from the love, the family, um, mm. and the warmth from like the brother and the younger sister and yeah the family love is where the warmth and the coziness of fall comes into me so it's not really fall but like the feeling sounds sort of right right yeah Um, that makes sense yeah so that kind of came to mind to me visually though and color wise I think wolf walkers is a little bit closer to fall that autumn energy that like lots of oranges and browns and um the warmth from those colors really come through um and one of the characters has this beautiful big orange hair and there's always leaves just coming like (laughs) in the hair and um and there's like I mean these movies does such a good job at portraying weather and season Mm. um and the characters just kind of like live within that environment um and so yeah this is kind of like a good good fall definitely i don't know about i don't know if cozy is the right term for it um there's coziness from like the friendship for sure but Mm -hmm. it's more visually fall um oh i highly recommend it's it's a great movie yeah i need to see both of those for sure yeah so for the next episode um for those of you that follow particularly film distributors, and this is no surprise that we <laughs> are going to be I covering... I was going to say, <laughs> as soon as you said film distributors, every single person who like follows film was like, I know what's coming next. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are predictable. We are gonna cover a24 obviously it's about it's about time um so you can look forward to you can look forward to that in case you haven't heard enough about a24 already we are going to just keep it coming um obviously they have too many movies for us to talk about in one episode so if you have any particular favorites if you have something that you want to say about an a24 movie we're here let we we would love to hear other opinions because 
we spend so much time talking about these movies anyway, um, we're just going to continue to yell at each other about them. So please, let us know what you think. Let us know what we should talk about. Send in a voice note with your like thoughts on your favorite one. Anything like that. We want to hear from you. So uh, you can send any of that to us on Instagram at Popcorn Martini Soup or to our email address, uh, popcornmartinisoup at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, get in touch. We always want to hear from you. And look forward to, uh, yeah, more film nerd. I mean, is it even for nerds at this point? It feels like A24 is for everyone. I can, I will not start the episode right now, but we, I mean, I feel like we've gone through a whole journey with A24. It is not a nerd space at this point. Okay. So just obnoxious film people. (laughs) (laughs) Join us for that next time. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.